Good morning, everyone. Uh, lovely to be with you all. I'm just going to pray um, before we get going. I just, I really sense um, God is catching our attention this morning. Um, so, Father, I just lift our time together as we uh, head into your word. I pray for you uh, and pray that you would come and speak to us clearly and that we would heed your voice. I pray that we would have open hearts and minds to what you want to speak to us today lord that you we thank you that your word is transformative and powerful we thank you that we thank you that you are a speaking god and we we pray right now for each one of us lord i pray and lift each one of us that we would encounter you afresh today come holy spirit come and help us come and come and be the lifter of our heads come and uh bring us into all that you're doing in these days we pray for your for your glory of god and our joy is your people amen just sort myself out. <laughs> I'm starting a stopwatch, you'll be pleased to know that's what I'm doing. Right. Um, I hope that you are enjoying our time in the book of Acts at the moment. It just feels such an important moment. Um, it feels really timely to be in Acts. I'm, I'm loving it personally. I have to say I'm finding it incredibly challenging. Um, both in my personal faith, my walk with Jesus, um, my comfort in life, and my expectation of what it is to be a follower of Jesus in these days. I feel like God's using this, this book of Acts and this moment to really just kind of question, hey, where am I? What's, what's important in my life? How, how am I seeing my, myself as a follower of Jesus? I think that's what God's doing at this time in his church, for sure. Just the other day, I was um, on a Zoom call with Donna, um Bloomfield and and Donna was just saying um something that caught my attention um she said that so often when she's in Burundi she feels like she's living in the book of Acts she said there's it just she said I just feel like I'm I'm in Acts when I'm in Burundi and I mean I think that's amazing what a privilege for Donna that that's her experience in that moment but but as she said it I I felt something was missing for us that I felt yeah, why is it sometimes that that can be our expectation for certain places and situations, but we don't often ourselves feel like we're living in the book of Acts. So as we're going through the book of Acts at the moment, although we, although we see the stories and we hear um, what's happening, I don't know if I would say that that is particularly how I see myself living in the book of Acts in the same way that Donna said when she's in Burundi. But I, but I know that that's going to be true for us too here in Swindon 2021, that, that we're to live with that same sense that we have the raw, real, demanding push and pull of the gospel in our lives and the empowering uh, manifestation of the spirit at work within us that we too say it feels like we're in the book of Acts. So often I think we just we read it like it's this um, book of hyperbole, that it's that it's something that was true for the apostles or, or true for the early church, or maybe it's true for some cultures, some places in the world that, that they have that sense. So yes, in Africa or the Southern hemisphere at large at the moment, yes, there's a move of God and maybe it does, send, it does seem a bit more like the book of Acts, but, but here in post-Christian Europe, we're not really living in the book of Acts anymore. And I, and I think sometimes we let, we let, um, God's call on us as his people to live this same story with the same spirit empowering us, the same 
signs and wonders uh, to be at work among us. We let this fall from framing our thinking and expectation. And so we see other places and we hear other things and we say, yeah, people, people there are, uh, are filled with the Holy Spirit and their demons are being driven out and people are being healed. But we, we don't really necessarily expect that. Our, our expectation is more, well, I hope my neighbor might one day come to church. And so, so this morning, as we come again to the book of Acts, I'm really believing that, that God wants to reset our expectations. He wants to reset our expectations as his people, that what we are reading as we are in the book of Acts is for here, today, and now in Swindon, just as much as it was for the early church, just as much as it is for the guys in Burundi, just as much as it is for the church in the Southern Hemisphere, where God really is doing remarkable things in his kingdom is coming in power. So we're to live with the same expectation because it's the word of God and it shows us what it's like when God's kingdom comes and invades earth as it is in heaven, what it's like when God's people receive the empowering presence of his spirit, what it looks like when we step out in faith-filled obedience to God's leading us just as Rob was saying a moment ago and taking hold of those changed of direction moments and saying hey this is just a work of the spirit we're just responding to the spirit we're just following the lead of the spirit in our lives and for some reason maybe for many reasons that isn't particularly I feel how the church at large in the west in the UK let's be specific in Swindon gateway for us I'm not sure that that isn't that that's necessarily how we've framed our expectation and, and understanding. So as we come to the book of Acts, it's, it's what happened, it's not what will happen. But last summer, I, um, we went to London and we, were, we visited St Paul's Cathedral. Um, Phoebe loves big old buildings. And while we were there, we were down in the crypt and I saw um, a, a bust of Spafford Cripps, who I didn't know before, um, and he's a Labour politician who, um, who was kind of in the Labour Party through the 30s and 40s. And the inscription under the bust of Spafford Cripps caught my attention. And it's, and it's just lived with me ever since I've seen it. And, he's, and it said this, if a man neglects the things of the spirit and puts aside the full armour of God, he will seal the doom of future generations. If a man neglects things of the spirit and puts aside the full armor of God, he will seal the doom of future generations. Wow, what an, what an incredible statement that under St. Paul's Cathedral and this bust of a, of a Christian who was involved in politics, just like we were praying for, he's saying right at the heart of the church needs to be a hunger for the things of the spirit and the armor of God, that this is what shapes our expectation, that this is what, what, um, what defines our lives as followers of Jesus, wherever we are. And he, this guy, Spafford Cripps, you can go and look him up. He had quite a remarkable influence um, at a crucial time in the history, not just of our nation, but of the world. Francis Chan, he's writing about the condition of churchgoers today. And he says this, um, don't be offended. Um, just take this and say, if, it, if it's ouch, um, say, God, change my heart. He says this. They, talking about churchgoers, are fed more and more knowledge every week. 
They attend church services, join small groups, Bible studies, and read Christian books, listen to podcasts, and are convinced they still need more knowledge. Truth is, their biggest need is to do something. They don't need another feast on doctrine. They need to exercise. They need to work off what they've already consumed. These are the spiritually bedridden, resigned to spending the rest of their lives studying the word without ever making disciples or tangibly caring for others. Wow. Ouch. Guys, I wonder if that's true for us that quite often we may be spiritually bedridden. And as I was just saying a moment ago, we, we're happy to tuck into a good old state. We love that. But it doesn't necessarily bring us the satisfaction that walking up Snowden and then back down and tucking into a pot noodle type thing does. God help us to not be spiritually bedridden. And so in this new era of renewal, I, be, I really do believe that God is exhorting us as his people to a renewed Acts 2 type practices in the church of, of radically giving ourselves to extended times of prayer, to love and service and intimate fellowship in our homes and in our church family. Understanding that we are the church and that our priority is to seek the kingdom of God, not just go and consume church as though that's all we're called to because the mission that God set before us is so clear and so tangible and so in Acts you'll remember Acts 1 8 I'm sure you know this you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth you will receive power to go and do this you'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit upon you within you that you may be my witnesses, that you may go, that you may climb up mountains and down mountains in society, mountains of politics and healthcare and education and love and, and service to those on the margins, that you may, you may climb and be my witnesses to your neighbours and friends and family who are without hope to the ends of the earth, church. And the amazing thing is, as we've gone through Acts, in six, Acts 6 to 8, we're beginning to see the fulfilment of some of these promises taking place. Yes, Jerusalem. Yes, Judea. Samaria last week when Callum was preaching about that. And, and, and we come to Acts chapter 8, verse 26, and we basically get to the point that all of these places have been mentioned, bar one, which is to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth haven't yet been taken. And yet, yet this is what Jesus said, you need my spirit for this purpose. And so the church, by the sovereign um, purposes of God, by the providence of God, faced this persecution that caused them to go from where they were. So they were still huddled in Jerusalem. They were still there. They were still huddled just in the immediacy of the area around them. And in the providence of God, a, a, a scattering, a persecution led to scattering to go and take the gospel and this is what we read in acts chapter 6 verse 4 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went philip went down to samaria and proclaimed the messiah there so for those guys their persecution it didn't stop them from 
from speaking. It didn't stop them from seeking God's kingdom. And yet we've hit this moment of a pandemic. And, and whatever your perspective is on that, I wonder that for many of us, what we've done is we thought, oh, church has stopped. We're not able to gather. So church has stopped. Well, yes, it stopped us from gathering, but it's not stopped us from that call to be empowered by God's spirit to see his kingdom come. I wonder how many of us are living with, well, we're just in this temporary hiatus where church has stopped. We're just waiting for the day we can get back in the building and be together again. I want to say to you with, with a lot of love, if that's what you're waiting for, if that's your perspective on who we are as God's people, the day we get back into the building, you, you're sorely wrong on who we are and what we're called to be. We are not called to just be people who gather in a building and that's church. We are people who are empowered by God's spirit to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. My sense is that I wonder that this moment we're in right now might be the church's best moment we've had in a very long time. I really believe that, that this might actually be our best moment. Just having to meet on Zoom like this right now might be our best moment in a very long time if we can get hold of this. So for the remaining eight minutes, I just want to look at the story of Philip um, and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight. Because I think in this story, we see from Philip and his obedience to the spirit, what the Great Commission looks like in action, what it looks like to do something, to exercise faith as followers of Jesus, to get caught up in the heart of the story, to seek God's kingdom and see it come in transformative life giving power as part of his people to the ends of the earth. So. Verse 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of, the, of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. But then, uh, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This passage of scripture the eunuch was reading is this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away 
and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Amen. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Amen. What an amazing passage. What a, what a, what a powerful story that is actually quite familiar to us. And so I just want to um, pick out a few things in the next five minutes. I've got loads, but I'll just do as many as I can in the space of five minutes um, that really jump out at me as we step into this new era of renewal that God is doing among us as his people. Some things that stand out to me that say, come on, let's not just read this as hyperbole. Well, yeah, that's what happened then. It would be nice if it could happen now, but say, no, I, I really believe this is what God is, how he's wanting us to see um, our mission as his people today here in Swindon. So the first thing is this, and this is crucial. We go for this and we get hold of this and reclaim it, that Jesus' mission must be lived out through a renewed hunger of the leading of God's spirit and his supernatural power in our lives. Jesus' mission must be lived out with a renewed hunger of the leading of his spirit and the supernatural power of the spirit in what in our lives. It's interesting that Philip had it good in Samaria. He was preaching and seeing incredible results and and everything was going good, but yet the spirit comes along and says, no, I, I want to go here now. I think that's just like Rob was saying a moment ago. You're kind of heading in one direction, but then suddenly a change led by the spirit. Listen to this, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south, go to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Verse 29, the spirit said to Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Do you hear that? That the spirit, the angel of the Lord, that the spirit was at work directing, orchestrating the direction that of Philip, where he was to be facing, where he was to be heading, who he was to be talking to. It wasn't just simply Philip just happened to, to bump into a guy. It was led by the spirit. I want to encourage us that, that we need to see if we are walking, if we are walking in our spirit-filled selves as people of God, that people we bump into all the time, it might not be that the, the spirit says to you audibly, go this way, though he may well. But the people we bump into, God is placing us there for supernatural purpose. The Holy Spirit speaks and directs. And I love that in Philip's life, we see this sheer obedience. So immediately he started out. He didn't wait. He didn't say, look, I've got this idea. Go to the church leaders. I've got this idea. What about we do dot, dot, dot. I think God's saying dot, dot, dot. He just responded to the leading of the Spirit in his life. And then when we get the Holy Spirit at work in us, directing us, leading us, it leads to surprising opportunities, relationships, people, places. Secondly, Jesus wants us to have a renewed confidence in the message of the gospel. I love that when, when Philip starts to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch about faith, he, he, he has this massive confidence in the gospel. He doesn't say, let me tell you about why I go to church. Let me tell you about how I was brought up. Let me tell you about my own story. No, he, he says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus and starts where the Ethiopian eunuch was. He starts where he was. He starts with the questions that he was asking and he points to Jesus. There's this great quote by Billy Graham where he says this, 
I want to tell people about the meaning of the cross, not the cross that hangs on the wall or around someone's neck, but the real cross of Christ. With all my heart, I want to leave you with the truth that he loves you and is willing to forgive all of your sins. I really believe in this new era, we need a new confidence in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we are to share it with confidence. Thirdly, this is a season for every believer being released in gifting and calling. This isn't a season that we're entering into of, of church being about church leaders doing their thing. This is about every believer being equipped, anointed and released. And so it's amazing, isn't it? As we come into Acts 6 and 8, the story shifted from the apostles to Stephen and Philip. Just guys who have encountered the love of Jesus in their life. The apostles at this point are still back in Jerusalem. But now we see people who, are, who have become followers of Jesus. They're the ones laying down their lives, taking the story of Jesus out to the ends of the earth. The, the apostles, I'm not sure this is their best moment. They're stuck back in Jerusalem. And we read Acts 6-4 again, those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. I'll just skip through these and I'll just give you the headlines because I realize time's up. The next thing I really believe for this new era is that mission is going to be out on the streets that are the desert place. We're no longer going to be reliant as God's people on bringing people to church, but we are, as God's people, going to go out on the streets into the desert of our town and take the love of Jesus. And we've got to see the most ordinary moments might be for us a divine appointment, a divine chance encounter. And then Jesus wants us as his church to love and look at those who are on the margins of society. And this Ethiopian eunuch, um, he wasn't from Ethiopia, the, the nation hadn't even been formed at that point, but Ethiopian actually pointed to the colour of his skin. And so for Philip, he would have known even just coming to this guy, seeing him, this is a man from regions beyond. This is a man from the ends of the earth. It's, he would have had, gosh, the spirit has led me to somebody who is literally the ends of the earth. The spirit has done that. And the fact that he's a eunuch who had come to Jerusalem to worship, he probably um, most likely was a Gentile who was, who was a God-fearer. And yet because he's a eunuch, he couldn't even become a proselyte Jew. He couldn't. He couldn't be, he wouldn't be even allowed into the temple. So he came and could only worship God from far off. He was excluded because of his castration as a guy. And you can read about that in Leviticus if you so want to. He was, he was an outsider. And yet the spirit led Philip to this outsider on the margins of society. And in doing so, a prophetic promise in Psalm 68 was fulfilled that Ethiopia would reach out her hands and be drawn near to God. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah. And one of the reasons I think he's reading from Isaiah is because he knows just a few chapters later from where he was reading, Isaiah talks about that, that even eunuchs too, in Isaiah 56, would be brought into God's house and given a name greater than sons and daughters, an everlasting name. And he was hungry. He was hungry for, hungry for God, not to be excluded on the edge, on the peripheries. And I think there's a new hunger in our society for the things of God in this day. I think there's a new hunger. There's a new opportunity if we respond to God's scattering of us today. 
There's a new opportunity for us to, to take the message, a gospel message, full of the power of the spirit, to take it to a dying and hurting world, full of people who are excluded. See, I love that Philip didn't say, but you're a guy on the edge. You know, there's, there's many people on the edge of our society who we wouldn't naturally go to, who we're not naturally drawn to, who we kind of go, yeah, but if you were a bit more like me and like us, then, then, it, then you'd fit and then it would work. No, Jesus is saying to us as people, go to them, go to them, go to the ends of the earth. Finally, let me just finish with this, that God will shape the next generation through the authenticity and obedience and faithfulness of our lives here now, not through the fact that we go and attend church. God will shape the next generation by how we respond to him right now. I'm just going to cheat by jumping to Acts 21, that Philip, 20 years later after this date, was still in Caesarea, called the evangelist, still telling people about Jesus and his love. And, you know, he had four daughters whom prophesied that he, he just was obedient and faithful, whether he was serving tables, telling people about Jesus, responding to the leading of the spirit so that he's referred to as, as the evangelist and the fruit of his life and his following Jesus was he had four daughters, all of whom prophesied. We, guys, we've got to see that we're not just doing this moment of pivoting responding to the lead of the spirit changing direction like rob was saying just to try and make church work we're saying no god there's a there's a battle we have to pass to the next generation and my heart is god would you raise up many prophets in our generation many young men and women right now who who simply all they've seen of of church and the family of jesus well it's about going to church no it's not it's about the kingdom of god on earth as it is in heaven so, Father, I just I lift us as a church family today and I pray for your spirit to come and renew expectation among us. I pray that you would come and stir our hearts, provoke us when we see divine opportunities that people we encounter, whether we feel led by you to them or it's just happenstance. I pray that we would have eyes that see divine, uh, your divine hand at work in our relationships, in our coming and going, that we would take hold of every opportunity, that we would we would be people full of your spirit and the power of your spirit. Change our expectation, Lord, so that we too would say we are living the story of Acts here and now in Swindon. And Father, I pray that it would cause the next generation to rise up in power. So Lord, bless us today, I pray in your mighty, mighty name. Amen.